Welcome to the Imperfect Parent Podcast, and I'm an imperfect parent. The pressures from all directions to be perfect can be overwhelming. They come from family, friends, social media, and can be very difficult to deal with, especially if you feel like you're on this journey alone. Well, that ends here. You are not alone, and together we will become a village and community by building strong foundations in which the relationships with ourselves and our family can be built on. I'm going to share with you the stories and knowledge of parents, professionals, and authority figures who have been there or have the knowledge, tools, and resources you need to find out what works, what doesn't, and what's next. So let's go. We got this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Imperfect Parent Podcast. And I am an imperfect parent on a journey to find out what works, what doesn't, and what's next. Today's episode, we have actually a fellow podcaster who launched his podcast kind of right at the same time as me. We went through... The same podcast program, a little shout out to Ron and Corey at HHM and the Profits with Podcast group. So me and Tony, I had known him before that, but going through the whole podcast launch, we got to know each other a little better, got to help each other out on, you know, the launch of each other's podcast. And that's only a short six months ago. So it's been, you know, kind of a crazy little journey for us. But I started diving into Tony's bio sheet that he sent me over for this interview. And holy smokes, you guys, like he's done so many cool things that I was not aware of. And so, yeah, we're going to we're gonna find out a little bit about Mr. Tony Caggiano, the ADA Comply Guy. How's it going, Tony? I know. It's been crazy. Yeah, we, we launched back, I, when was it, in October-ish or so? Like that. And time just flies when you're having fun, I guess. And like, so since then, you've got your podcast. But I want to just touch on quick, like right off the bat, you and your wife, like your wife also wrote a book and launched in that time too. She did. Yes. She's been putting together this book, all the notes and everything for it. And she's always wanted to write it about our son. Our oldest son, who's now 15, was diagnosed on the autism spectrum when he was two. And so, you know, as new parents of, you know, our firstborn child and then finding out, you know, something was different with him and, you know, going through that process and learning that, Yes, he was on the autism spectrum. And now what do we do? She used to be a uh, social worker. So she's amazing with, you know, working with kids and just in general with people and documenting everything and finding out what needs to happen to help them. And so she just went into high gear in what she knew. And we had to find out how to help our son get the most that he can in order to give him, you know, everything that we could. So with autism, what we learned, you know, we started from scratch and learned, you know, from the very beginning and just found the resources that we needed. But what we learned was that with autism, at least with our son, finding out how he learns was the key to helping him succeed as much as he has. Because people with autism can still learn and they're very smart. Most of them, you know, have abilities far superior than most of us even, you know, they're hyper-focused in, in some ways, but then they're limited on others. So for our son, we had to learn how he was able to comprehend things and learn things and then put those tools in front of him in order to help him succeed. And, you know, it, it wasn't always perfect. It, you know, it was imperfect, you know, trying things over and over again until we, you know, found those things that we found worked for him. So, you know, that's what she put together in this book, going through the experience, documenting the trail as a story, our story, but also putting resources in there for parents of newly diagnosed children or, you know, family members who have nieces or nephews or other people who are on the autism spectrum to help them better understand 
you know, what it's like to be a parent of an autistic child, or even understand that child as they get older and become an adult, what they've gone through and some of the things to understand about people with autism and just spread awareness. Yeah, that's been so awesome to watch that and see that. We're definitely going to link that book up in the show notes, but, and I think we'll circle around because I want to know more about it. But in that journey, like you guys were first time parents and going into this, (laughs) they never tell you how to do any of this stuff, do they, Tony? (laughs) There is no manual, but you know, the book is a good help for other parents now that my wife has put it together because, you know, she's, she tells the story in a way that is very informative, you know, but also, you know, from the perspective of our son, you know, and how he, and the book is only the first three years and she's got so much more. And if she has time, she's, you know, he's 15 now, and he's gone through a lot of transitions from, you know, being in the, the special needs room as a young child to getting special services and things. And at the time we lived in Massachusetts. And at that time, Massachusetts had a lot of services available for early education services and things like that. But now that he's a freshman in high school, he's gone all the way through the gamut of, you know, not having to be in inclusive rooms anymore. And, you know, he's in regular ed classrooms. And yes, he gets a little bit of help. He gets, he has an IEP that they follow and he gets, you know, if he needs extra help, he can get that or modified assignments to help him. But he has done phenomenally in transitioning into a regular ed classroom, which was his own goal. He's like, I want to get to the point where I don't need to be in this special room anymore. You know, he wanted to be, you know, a a part of everybody else. And some people he tells that he's on the spectrum and some people they don't need to know because he just likes to be himself and he's happy with that. And, you know, he's just a phenomenal young man. He's amazing basketball player. He's the only freshman on his track team this year doing amazing. So he's very athletic and just really inclusive and doing a lot of the things that they told us when he was first diagnosed that he would never do. Such an incredible journey, eh? Like just seeing, seeing the growth from like that till now 15. Like I I have three daughters and, and my oldest one is nine. So there's been like cool journey up until now, but as they start getting just a little bit older and start building that, like their own personality that they're, you know, like, I'm really looking forward to that. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's hard sometimes, you know, definitely, you know, I always looked at other parents that were older than me and be like, oh yeah, how hard could it really be? Okay. Yeah. Your kid gives you a hard time, but I used to be that kid. I could handle that, but you know what? It's not easy. It, you know, sometimes it's, you know, they're your best friend and they love you to death. And then the next moment, you know, they're in their own teenage mood and, you know, they don't want to talk to anybody. The crazy mood swings, but just trying to remember, you know, I try to remember myself as a teenager and be like, yeah, I kind of understand that. Looking at it from a parent's point of view, you know, you want to make sure that they are respectful and, you know, they do their chores and you teach them, you know, what you need to do. But sometimes I have to tell myself and my wife and I, you know, we tell each other to, to step back a little bit, let him make some mistakes, let him learn some things on his own, you know, give him advice, give him the tools to say, hey, this is why you should do this. It's up to you whether you're going to do it or not. You know, like we try to teach our kids to eat healthy. And one example yesterday, he was, you know, at the track meet and, you know, I brought him some, we don't usually drink Gatorade, but I brought him a Gatorade or whatever, because he needed to be super hydrated for his track meet. But somebody brought him a smoothie. And I said, you know, do you really think you should drink a smoothie before you run a mile? It's probably going to sit in your stomach, but uh, he's like, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I said, you know what? I'm just letting you know what I think you should do. It's up to you whether you're going to do it. And then after that, you know, he didn't feel so good. So Hopefully (laughs) those are the types of lessons that, you know, you have to let your kids learn on their own sometimes. And that's such a tough thing though. Like, you know, over 
since I launched this podcast, I've been diving into all these parenting techniques and stuff to help me like with them and, and all this. And, and sometimes I find myself being a little forceful with them, like trying to like push them along the journey and help them figure it out. And you're so right. Like sometimes you just got to step back. You've told them and you've like helped guide them, but sometimes they just got to learn on their own. <laughs> Yeah. Some, some of the lessons, you know, especially like my younger son, he's very independent and he wants to do everything by himself and he's 10 years old and, you know, he's 10 going on 16. So we have a different way of working with him because he himself, he's not on the autism spectrum, but he has ADHD pretty, you know, I don't know what you call it severely or whatever, but he struggles with it a lot. And so, you know, those are the things that we have to work ourselves on because it can get very frustrating as a parent when, you know, you have a child who loves to talk and just talks over everybody and you're trying to teach them to be respectful of other people and, and they yell at you when they don't get their way. And just the different things that go along with dealing with ADHD, you know, we have to step back and try to, you know, work with him, even if it's frustrating for us, you know, it, that's part of being a parent and learning how to work with your children. So we're working on different techniques for him in order to help him get to the point. And, and we've made some really big strides in the past month or so with different things that we're doing. So it, it is working. Sometimes you don't see it right away and you have to keep reminding yourself, just keep doing what you think is right. And eventually things will with them. So yeah, such different characters from child to child and you know what may have worked with one doesn't work with the other but it, it's always an evolution and like you said though you just got to keep trying and keep going with what you think is right like sometimes I remind Aaron to just turn the news off stop listening to the articles on Facebook and go with your gut like what do we feel do we need to do in this moment <laughs> yeah exactly and sometimes it does come down to that parental intuition because what's right for somebody else's child may not be right for yours and you know, you as a parent know your kids, you know, the best. So you're the best thing for them. And whatever you decide is going to be the best thing on how to teach them what you want them to learn. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, Tony, let's dive into a little bit about Tony here. Like I said, at the start of the interview, I was listening to an interview with you and a good friend of ours, Jake Anderson. And you guys went over a lot of different avenues that you've been down over your 30 years of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've done a lot. You know, I never wanted to have the regret of not trying things that I really wanted to try, you know, everything from, you know, and something that we didn't talk about, you know, was even the time that I became a professional craps player. <laughs> We, a uh, friend of mine and I, he was a math whiz. And so we figured out the odds of playing craps and we learned how to actually set the dice and roll them a certain way to get better odds on getting certain numbers. And we bought our own custom made craps table, put it in my basement and learned how to, you know, roll the dice and throw them in. So for a year, you know, that's what I did for full-time work, you know, and actually I, I didn't make a huge living off of it, but it was fun. And we went to a casino that was local to us. So I've tried many different things in my years. You know, I've owned an IT company for 12 years. I was a DJ, a wedding DJ for 22 years. And then, you know, for many years I was in corporate America in IT. So that's really where, you know, my corporate experience came from. But most recently, about a year 
and a half ago, I stumbled upon an opportunity because even though I was in corporate IT at the time, I can never sit still. I always love doing things that I'm in control of, something entrepreneurial, but also that can help others. I was in the process actually of creating and building an app, a fundraising app for our local schools here in North Carolina, because where we live north of Raleigh, there are a lot of schools that are in the outskirts that are very low on funds and you know they need a lot of funding. So what I decided to do was build this app and I had it all the way through to almost being created and I was looking for a developer to help me put it together. Then COVID hit and everything started happening. But I, along the way, I had met a developer and met up with somebody who was creating this platform, you know, ADA Comply, that was helping businesses become compliant with the regulations that show businesses that they need to have accessibility options on their websites. And most businesses don't know about it. And I was like, really? So sorry to interrupt there, Tony, accessibility options, as in like when you say accessibility, can you like just expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I'm sorry. Accessibility options for people with disabilities. So people with seeing, hearing, physical, learning disabilities, different tools that are embedded in your website in order to make sure that they are compliant with the ADA, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act. So we're all familiar usually with handicapped parking spaces and ramps into buildings and things like that in the U.S. I, you know, I'm sure Canada has also similar things as well, but in the U.S. it's the Americans with Disabilities Act. I think in Canada there's the ACA. I'm not sure what that stands for, but it's, it's similar to the ADA. But you know, over the past six or so years, those regulations for physical brick and mortar buildings that required certain things like ramps and, and handicapped accessible bathrooms have made their way over into the digital world. So a few years ago, a court case was brought against a company or a supermarket down here in the South called Winn-Dixie, deeming that, you know, the person who brought the lawsuit against them through the ADA, you know, claimed that their website wasn't accessible to him because he was uh, legally blind and, and couldn't navigate the site. And so Winn-Dixie was forced to spend $2 million plus, I believe, and redesign their site statically and change it so that way it was more accessible according to a certain set of guidelines by what they call the WCAG. It's the Worldwide Consortium for Accessible Web Design Standards. And that's what the ADA goes by. So that's what caught my eye about this because in years past, in order to make your website compliant, you would have to hire a web designer, go through a whole bunch of processes. It would take a lot of time, a lot of money and, and a lot of frustration for business owners. So that's why people really didn't know about it. But because more and more lawsuits have been starting, at least in the US over the past three to four years, and they're growing exponentially every year. Last year, there was over 11,000 lawsuits against businesses. And they're going after the small to medium-sized businesses now because they're just easy pickings. I decided to bring it upon myself to become the advocate for not only the disabled community, but for business owners. Because the ADA isn't going out and saying, hey, you need this on your website. So you know, you're in regulation. They're just going after people saying, you don't have it. You didn't know about it? Sorry. It's that little fine print when you check the box. Have you read this? <laughs> have you read this file? Yes, I have. Can carry on. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little backwards. Yeah. So, you know, so I wanted to do something to try to spread the word and make sure people knew about it, but then also have a solution for them. And now with this new type of software, we're able to help people embed this code right onto their website, which is a very simple JavaScript. You, you copy and paste it. And then our toolbar will be there to allow somebody who comes to your website with a disability, whether it being seeing, hearing, cognitive learning, or even physical disabilities to be able to click an easy toolbar and the, the site will adjust to what they need right then and there. So 
it's not a static website that complies to a certain set of guidelines. It's adjustable to anybody who comes and needs it. So if somebody has color blindness, they can click a button and it goes to black and white and they can decipher whether something is, you know, a red or a green just by the different shades of gray that they would see. And we also have tools that allow zooming in of the website without making everything go askew. You know, sometimes if you zoom in a website, everything will move all around and shift and whatnot. So, you know, and there's also different contrasts. You can change the font sizes, you can change the font spacing, and there's just a whole bunch of different things that somebody who needs these tools can do on the website in order to change it. So that's what I did, you know, when I found out about this became the ADA comply guy to really get the word out there. And now, you know, what I'm doing with this business is trying to help businesses become more aware of it and get it in their hands easily and affordably. That's the coolest thing about it, Tony, is like you found the issue and you want to help the business owners not get sued, but you also like, you know, want to help (laughs) the disability community. Like, go on the web and figure out websites and see them better. And, you know, that's incredible that you actually like made a solution for the problem, not just like, you know, you need this, but here's the solution. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, I'm even at the point where, you know, there are hundreds of millions of websites, you know, globally that need this. There's only one to 2% of websites globally that have any kind of accessibility options built into them. And so there's still, a massive need out there. So, you know, I know I can't help everybody, but if I'm out there just helping spread the word and making it more, you know, people more aware of this, then, you know, I'm doing my job. Until I actually met you and and people were calling you the ADA comply guy, I really didn't know what it was actually, you know, a lot of people didn't. And I've been a business owner and have had websites, but I've never been compliant, I guess, right? Like, yeah, the compliancy really, I mean, the ADA again is for the US, but you know, there are several other countries that have their own standards of accessibility and I'm not up on all the other countries, but there are a lot of things, you know, and even if you're not doing it just to protect yourself from being sued, because, you know, as time goes on, the chances are greater, you know, that somebody will come knocking at your door, but just by doing it, there are several major advantages to the business owner as well. You know, there are things like being able to SEO better on Google just by having an accessible website, because a lot of the things that we do, like alternate text, help the Google algorithm see that you are accessible and they rank you higher. And then there are also other things like being able to reach the 25% of internet users that have a disability, you know, because up to almost 25% of all internet users today have a kind, some kind of disability that hinders their use of most websites. So if you're spending thousands of dollars in advertising, 25% of the people that you reach that you've paid to reach, even if they get to your website, they won't be able to convert as a customer. So that's huge to not waste the money on advertising. And then one of the biggest ones in the US here, at least, is we have a tax credit, a 50% tax credit on everything that you spend on your uh, on accessibility for your website, you can get back as a tax credit at the end of each year. So if you spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars on, you know, a website development that includes accessibility, then anything you spend on that website, you can get half of it back from the government. So that's why we're partnering with web design agencies. We're partnering with um, ad agencies. We're even partnering with, you know, business coaches that include our software for their web pages, as well as our training in their, in their coaching program. So that way their whole solution becomes a product that helps accessibility, helps their clients, help their customers 
so it qualifies for the tax credit. So that way they can get an even larger tax credit by investing in programs that become accessible with our software. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm going to I'm going to dig into what is happening in Canada and and see. Like you said though, even beyond the fact of covering your own butt, there's the, just the fact of like making it more accessible for everyone. That that's huge. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited for you Tony. That like just you you got such a helping soul. <laughs> it's you you and your wife are just incredible. <laughs> Yeah. And a lot of people think that it's just, you know, people with sight disabilities, you know, or hearing disabilities. But one of the big things that I learned while doing this is, you know, we have a screen reader that's built into our toolbar as well. And screen readers, people usually think, oh, well, people can't see, they'll use the screen reader. Well, someone like my son, you know, who's on the spectrum, you know, he learns. One of the things that helps him is he learns better if he's got a lot of information that he needs to read. If he's read to, then he can easily comprehend it and see it in his mind rather than reading it and having his brain translate it and comprehend it while he's reading it and doing those two things at once. If something's read to him, it takes that one step of actually looking at the words and reading it out of the equation and he's able to think about it and comprehend it better. So using a screen reader, somebody who has a cognitive or learning disability can use something like that tool in order to read a long form web page or some information that they're looking at in Google or something like that, that they can read and comprehend better by having it read to them. So those are the different tools that that can be utilized, whether it's in my software or somebody else's to help somebody with a, a learning disability as well. I want to jump back to the interview I heard you and Jake talked about this morning. You were talking, you also owned a daycare center. Yes, it was. Well, to preface that, you know, I grew up, you know, with a mother who owned a daycare center. So, you know, when I was younger, she opened up a, a home daycare center and I was, you know, her first quote unquote student. And so you know, I lived in this house with this daycare center for almost 15 years. So I grew up around kids, you know, I love kids and, you know, I, I got that from her as well. So, so that was my past experience, you know, being in a daycare center environment. And my wife is always, you know, she's a social worker. She loved kids and whatnot. So when we moved down to North Carolina, you know, we had no family or friends down here really. And, you know, we came and visited the first time just to check out the area because we came from Massachusetts and we drove by this center and it said drop off childcare. And we had never heard of anything like drop off. We walked in and we're like, what is this drop off thing? They're like, yeah, you could just leave our kid, your kids with us for an hour or two and go on a date or go do whatever you want. We're like, really? We're like, Okay. You know, and, and so luckily the owners at the time we met them in person, they were there. It was a, a couple owned center. It wasn't a, a large franchise or anything like that. But so we got to meet the, the owners of the center and they reassured us that they would be fine. So we just left them there and we went next door to a restaurant just to try it out. And it was our first time in many years because our, our youngest was two at the time. And uh, our oldest Dylan was like eight you know, they had a great time. They played with other kids and we had a great time. We went out to dinner and we had some alone time for the first time in, you know, eight years. So we're like, wow, this is great. And so when we moved down there, down here a year later, we were like, we love the area and we put in a plan. We moved down here. We started using the center. We're like, definitely when we go house hunting or we go look for places to live or whatever, we're going to utilize this place. And so we started utilizing it more and more and we got to know the owners really well and became good friends with them. And so we utilized the center for like three years. After three years, it got to a point where their kids, you know, they had bought it and started it, you know, earlier. Their kids were getting older, they were doing travel, hockey, and they weren't around a lot. So they were having to, you know, have more and more help run the center. And it was kind of getting too much for them to handle. And, you know, they just mentioned in passing one day, they're like, yeah, we may be closing the center or trying to sell it. And so we went home and we're like, hey, are you thinking what I'm thinking? 
we should buy the center because we can't let it go out of business. We need it. And so do a lot of the people in the community. Long story short, we bought the center and we owned it for our three-year stint. And it was a lot of work. And But it was an experience that I'll never forget. Let's put it that way. You know, I learned a lot from it. And actually, a lot of the things that they say fail fast, you know, a lot of the failures that we had, the little failures that we had running the center, you know, helped me learn things that helped me get to where I am today. So, you know, when things don't go as good as you think they are, because we didn't make any money with the center, we, we broke even a lot, we lost some money. And, you know, it, it didn't end as well as we wanted to when we sold it. But, you know, those types of things you have to really take to heart and be like, okay, what am I going to take away from this experience that didn't go as planned that I wanted it to? What can I learn from it? How can I grow? And how can I make my next adventure even better because of the things that I learned from this past one? So that was our our, our experience with the center. And you know, I, it was hard, but it was a lot of fun. I remember, you know, doing story time with Mr. Tony, you know, on Friday nights, we had date nights and I used to go in and, and hang out with the kids and, and read stories to them and stuff. So there were a lot of really fun times and things, you know, that I enjoyed. And then, you know, and then there were a lot of learning lessons along the way as well. So I wouldn't change a thing. Are you nervous that your two boys are going to get the entrepreneurial bug or are you excited about it? Oh, I'm excited as all heck. I'm trying to get them more <laughs> into it. So, you know, they've seen me, you know, work from home a lot, you know, and, you know, when I'm trying new things and they don't go my way or whatever. So they've seen through my eyes of, you know, not everything comes easy in life. So that's one of the things that I'm glad they're seeing, you know, from my perspective so that they can have a, a leg up. But, you know, they've always said, yeah, I want to make money, but I don't want to work at, you know, McDonald's or, or, or something like that doing it and making minimum wage because he's like, they already know I'm not going to get ahead making minimum wage. So, so they've kind of got the incentive now at 15, our older son, he started um, going around and taking over the local grass cutting position. Cause over the years, it's been handed down from people. You know, when we, we moved in the neighborhood six years ago, there was a kid named Micah. He did everybody and he was everybody's go-to person for lawn mowing. And so when he went to college or whatever, then Matthew took over and then Matthew's got a full-time job now. So the position's open and, and Dylan's like, yeah, maybe I'll just step into it. And so, you know, he took the initiative a couple of weeks ago to go out there and start getting a few customers. And so he's got that bug. He, he understands that. And then my younger son, you know, he wants to do something too. So we're helping him start, you know, trash can cleaning business. It's not pretty, but you know, you can make money at it. And so, you know, showing them that hard work starting out can lead into bigger things later on. So yes, I'm very excited to teach my kids, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, because I had it when I was a little kid. I mean, I started mowing lawns myself when I was 10 years old. So that's where I got started. Yeah, yeah, I, I as well. You know, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember cutting a lot of lawns, and some of them were, you know, you have to still do this, you promised that you'd go and cut this lady's lawn. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I even remember, I'll, and I'll drop this out there, I shouldn't, but I remember cutting a couple lawns while I was crying. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> But you still cut it and got your $5 and away you went. <laughs> yes, I, I remember those times too. There was uh, there was one customer that my father got me, you know, through a friend of his. He's like, there's this little old lady down in, you know, in the next town over. I'll bring you to her house. But, you know, I got you the job and you got to do it. I was like, really? You know, back then as of probably like 13 or 14, you know, this really old lady and a little creepy, you know, per se. But... <laughs> 
I'll go to her house and she lived all alone. And it's like a little scary for me to be cutting her lawn. But, you know, those are the types of things. Sometimes you just have to do what you got to do. Yeah. I didn't like going in for tea. Can I just, you know, stand here on your front step? And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, a, that was a fun thing to do when, when we were kids. <laughs> but, oh, Tony, this, is, this has been a great conversation. I do want to circle back around to your wife's book, though. Yeah. I've been thinking this interview, I'm going to drop it out where, the first three people to contact me and let me know, I'm going to, I'm going to ship them out a copy of your wife's yeah. book. So if they, yeah, if they contact me and ask for it, I'm going to make sure to get a couple books out in people's hands if they need it, because yeah, I just want to. <laughs> yeah. It, it's really a great book for, you know, like I said earlier, people who are, you know, newly diagnosed parents, you know, with a child or even, you know, somebody who knows somebody with an, an autistic child to help better understand you know their point of view and where they're coming from because you know a lot of times i can remember then we were out in public and you know dylan would have a meltdown or you know he would get overstimulated by just being in public by a lot of noises and people talking and lights and things like that he would get overstimulated and you know lose control people would just stare and be like you know what's going on with your child and even as he got older he was you know eight or nine years old until he learned how to deal with this better you know, he would have meltdowns and people just sometimes they're quick to assume that you have a misbehaved child when in fact, it's not really case at all. And so just to understand, you know, what parents are going through, you know, that may have a child on the spectrum, or even to understand what that child is going through themselves a little bit better, this book can really help in a way that's easy for them to, to understand. So and we also have the audiobook as well that we'll throw in as, as well with anybody that gets the book. So like I said, I'll link uh, your ADA comply guy too. I'm going to dive into it up here in Canada and see what's going on. But, you know, e even just to help your website out and give that extra accessibility is huge. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of companies to reach. So the more help we can get, the better. And just, you know, become, make a, you know, spread awareness about accessibility in the internet. Yeah, 100%. Tony. This, this was a great interview and I'm so glad you came and joined me. Like I said, it was long overdue and it was good to have you. I appreciate it. Thanks for everything, Dwayne. Thanks, Tony. All right, everybody. Thank you for making it to the end. I super appreciate each and every one of you who listens. I hope you get as much out of this adventure as I do. Remember to hit that subscribe button and if you could leave a rating and a review, that would be awesome because it helps the show reach more parents who may just need to hear this. Then head over and join the Facebook group. Type TIP Podcast in the search bar. This is where we will build our community and share our stories so we can learn from each other and not feel all alone, but receive support and encouragement to embrace being perfectly imperfect. Thanks so much, everyone. We got this.